Total Skin Nerds is brought to you by SkinFix. We're clean, clinically active, and on a mission to help heal your skin. Welcome to Total Skin Nerds. I'm Amy Risley, the CEO of SkinFix and a first-rate skin nerd myself. On this episode, my guest is Dr. Howard Murad, the legendary dermatologist who started his own pioneering skincare company at the age of 50. Now 81 and having trademarked the term the father of modern wellness, Dr. Murad is passionate about finding ways to counteract the kind of cultural stress that isolates us, depresses us, and makes us all look worse for the wear. Stay tuned now as Dr. Murad explains the most damaging stress factors, breaks down what they do to our skin, and reveals how to reverse the damage in surprising ways like diet, mindfulness, motivational messaging, journaling, connective tissue care, and more. Plus, new insights into the microbiome, a comprehensive plan for happiness, and how Dr. Murad's positive outlook on life began as a young Iraqi immigrant with an onion sandwich. Stick with me, nerds. Don't go away. Dr. Howard Murad, we're so excited to have you on Total Skin Nerds, and it's such a pleasure to be here today with you in Los Angeles. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Dr. Murad is a man of many, many firsts in the world of skincare and in the world of medicine. And one of the firsts uh, to really look at cultural stress and the importance of stress and how it relates to our total physiology, um, our entire body and our health and including our skin health. And would love to talk to you a little bit more about what cultural stress is. Absolutely. I love it. That's my favorite subject. <laughs> How have you defined cultural stress? Well, you know, I'll give you a history of it in my background. Uh, way back in 2003, actually before that, I saw my patients coming to see me, and they were downtrodden. They were unhappy. Um, they felt less worthy. They, needed, they felt they weren't perfect enough. And I couldn't understand what was going on. And I asked them, what's happening? Why are you feeling this way? Well, there's too much traffic. Uh, more is expected of me. Everybody seems to be better than I am. I don't have time to be with anyone. And that was just the beginning of what was to happen in the future. The next big time that happened was in 2007 uh, with the advent of the iPhone and the start of what happened with that. Now we can't do without it. Mm. So essentially what's happened to us because of the way society is, the modern wellness uh, experience, uh, is is a difficult one because we, it's very hard to deal with it. If you think about what begins to happen, um, we tend to stay home more because everything gets delivered to us. Right. Um, we don't even have to think about it. Sometimes it gets delivered without even any, you know, AI. Uh, then we sit and watch TV and all the Netflix shows and all the other shows that are on Disney. All the as everybody has something Hulu, so we sit and. We sit and sit, and we're in, a, in an environment where we're just sitting. Yes. Um, sitting is the, the new sitting smoking, disease. right? Yeah. So that is, that's a real challenge. Mm. Um, and we end up to have more chronic disease, more loneliness and social isolation, and, um, and depression. Well, it's interesting. You know, I always say to my kids, social media really should be called anti-social media. 
because it, you know, kids are getting together less these days. Teenagers are getting together less and socializing less because of social media. And, and that social interaction is so important to us as human beings. Absolutely. The human touch is so critical and we don't get enough of that. Uh, so many people are now living alone in social isolation, yes. and even communications. We don't pick up the phone even. Right. We end up texting. Yes. Uh, and then we spend all this time on, on social media, and we're just sitting and no, don't have any human interaction. Yeah, it was interesting. One of the studies um, that you published, I was reading last night, talked about how with the advent of computers and technology, they originally, we thought that it was going to be really good for old people who were living in isolation to have access to the world through computers. And actually, it's turned out to be the opposite. Absolutely the opposite. Because they're just sitting at home alone. Yes. And nobody's there to talk to them. It's not a replacement <clears throat> for not human at all. contact. We're, we're a social species. So let's talk a little bit about... Um, what this isolation and anxiety and stress is actually doing to us physiologically and particularly to our skin? How did you see it manifest? Well, it, it all goes back, believe it or not, to the idea of water. Right. So okay. the one thing we can't do without is water. And we all know we're supposed to drink eight glasses of water a day to be healthy. And that's fine. I'm not against drinking water. But the real way to really get more hydrated is not that simple. And if I asked anybody, is your skin drier today than it was 10 years ago, the answer would be yes. Okay. So a fact of life is we go from a stage of full hydration in our body to less and less hydration. We see it in our skin, but it affects every other organ in our body as well. And as the skin becomes drier, it becomes more wrinkled, more susceptible to cancer and things like that. The same begins to happen to the other organs in the body. Okay. Because when they're drier, they don't work well. So we start off with skin. I'm a dermatologist. It's very important for everybody we know to use moisturizers and sunscreens to prevent damage from the environment penetrating through your skin into the rest of the body through the bloodstream. But also to protect your skin and keep it hydrated as much as possible. So skin care is really health care. People don't realize it. Next is doing exercise. People say, yes. well, I exercise, uh, but I'm sweating. I'm losing water. It's true. You sweat, but you build muscle. Muscle is 70% water. Fat is only 10% water. The more muscle you have, the healthier you are generally. That was really astonishing to all of us. I think when we were doing the preparation, I had no idea that having more muscle tone actually helps your body be, be more, more hydrated. hydrated. It's very important. It's interesting. Uh, and then eat your water. Yes. Um, Water-rich foods are healthy for you. So any water-rich food tends to be healthy. But think of a raw fruit or vegetable. Any one of them is at least 80% water. Okay. But also has antioxidants, phytonutrients, makes your body alkaline, resistant to cancer and bone loss. So you get all that benefit. But the last one that's the hardest is stress. Right. There's traditional stress like a broken arm, a death in the family that we deal with. Cultural stress is constant, pervasive, and ever-increasing, and it never goes away. It only gets worse and worse and worse. We can't minimize it. All we can do is learn how to deal with it. And one of the most interesting studies that I read that you published was the one with the 40 women 
that had read the 11 affirmations every day. Talk to us a little bit about that study. How was it conducted? What did you have them do? And what were the results of that? Well, that was looking at 11 specific cards. One was why have a bad day when you can have a good day. Another one, dance even though you don't hear the music. There were 11 cards. And um, we asked them to look at them twice a day and journal. We measured their blood pressure at the beginning. Uh, We measured their cellular hydration. And we did a cone-perceived stress test to measure their stress level. At the end of one month, um, we had statistically improvement in the stress study. But more than that, in the journaling, there were all kinds of things that began to happen. People began to have more strength from within and the power to do different things. As it turns out, those 11 cards encourage you by not specifically telling you to do anything, but encourage you to have more strength from within and have more gratitude. They sort of change your perspective. The whole idea of positive mental attitude really can shift your whole sense of self and well-being. Absolutely. And do you see, as a dermatologist, when you talk to your uh, patients about stress and you give them tools to help them mitigate the stress, things like affirmations and getting more sleep and getting exercise, do you see a physiological change in their skin? Yes. When we are under stress, we tend to have more inflammation, more dryness, Uh, and we tend to have more fine lines. Um, so there are specific signs of stress that happen, uh, ending up, obviously, in having less sleep and things like that as well. Yes. One so, of the things that I read um, in one of your, your um, studies as well was this whole idea of mind-body connection. And I thought it was pretty cool that the same receptors that communicate between the brain and the central nervous system also communicate with the skin barrier. Can you talk a little bit about that sort of, that idea that the mind is directly connected it, to it our skin? It is absolutely connected. And actually some of the cells in, the, in embryology come from the brain. Like the melanocytes are actually neural tissue. Okay. <clears throat> so there is a direct connection. Do you see, um, do you believe that by managing stress and managing wellness that you could reverse some of the some of the things that um, have happened to your skin and, and essentially help to reverse the aging process. I mean, I've seen people who've gone on elimination diets and started to exercise who look younger. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely there is. And by the way, uh, a part of that study that was not published is that we uh, took before and after pictures of several people who were on the study, and we put them on an eight-week program. And we looked at the before and after, and Honestly, it looked like some of them had Botox or some sort of uh, surgery. The inflammation, the redness had diminished. Fine lines were gone, even some of the deep lines. And there was nothing that we asked them to do other than to look at those 11 cards and journal. Wow. That's all they asked to do. I love this, you know, concept that, you know, here you are a dermatologist and a pharmacist by trade and by training, and yet you're so focused on helping people and helping to make them happier and, and focused on their mental wellness, which you don't often hear in a dermatologist's office. Yeah. Well, you know, you really can see the whole person through their skin. Mm. It really shows. Everything about you shows on your skin. And 
I, I go back to the idea that skincare is healthcare. Once we understood it, once we understood how we could truly make your skin healthy, it wasn't just about the surgery that you do or the topicals that you do, because they are important. I'm not against those. But everything else, how you eat, how you manage your stress, your exercise, all of that shows on your skin. And on the reverse, uh, when you're not doing it, it, it shows on your skin as well. Right. One of the things you talk about as well is that stress, you know, enhances the uh, inflammatory cascade and it causes some endocrine imbalance, but it also can affect the microbiome, um, which I thought was really interesting. It's such a hot topic right now. Absolutely. And it's really important. And uh, some of the research we're doing right now is looking at some specific microbiomes that are associated with wrinkles. There seem to be some. Okay. And so when we look at how we can do a, a, a pre or probiotic uh, that attacks that specific microbiome, uh, we can make maybe a difference in the appearance of your skin. So, so there's, there, there's a lot of research into, into the, that whole idea. Um, every single one of us has a different set of microbiomes. Just like we have different fingerprints, our microbiomes are different. I could look at microbiome as DNA. In essence, everybody has their own specific microbiome. And that's a mixture of the different bacteria. There are good and bad bacteria. So is the concept that there are certain pathogens or bad microbes, for in layman's terms, that reside on the skin that might cause, to your point, fine lines and wrinkles or acne or rosacea, and so you target those specific microbes? Is that sort of the idea of... Yes, the idea of, of um, um, an agent that will address those. That's uh, very cool. <clears throat> That's very new. Yeah, we're working on that right now. And now we're going even deeper, and we're looking at specific microbiomes uh, that are maybe bad for your skin, causing more dryness or more susceptibility to breakouts or whatever. We're, we're trying to find out. And then we can begin to target those specific microbiomes. So instead of just giving everything, taking one of these uh, bacteria, the thousands of different bacteria that you get, or millions or whatever, uh, in it there's maybe one or two that are targeting. It's not happening yet, but it's happening. That's the direction it's, yeah. that it's going. We have trillions of bacteria within our body and on our body. And that's the, the different bacteria all together. And that's the, your my, microbiome. Look at it that way. And some of those are good ones and some of them are not good. Um, so what we're trying to do is encourage the good ones to stay healthy and, and encourage them to grow and minimize the bad ones. Yeah, so your products to target the microbiome, are they topical products? Yes. That's, that's really interesting. Um, talk to us a little bit, too, about connective tissue because, you know, we hear a lot about collagen and we hear a lot about skin barrier, but we don't hear a lot about connective tissue in skin care. And you talk a lot about it, and you've published studies on the connective tissue and the importance of it with respect to all of our organs, and then particularly the skin. Can you explain to us a little bit about what it is, what it's doing, and why it's so important? Connective tissue is made predominantly of elastin and collagen, and we can't do without it. So addressing that is very critical. As a fact of life, as we get drier, uh, one of the areas where we have the most water is in our collagen. Collagen, as you know, is a high percentage of water. 
And as a matter of fact, if we look at the epidermis itself, it itself has no water. It needs to get the water from the connective tissue, the dermis beneath it. There are aquaporin pump stimulators that uh, that pump water from the dermis into the epidermis, into the basal layer, and that's where the water really comes from. So the idea of encouraging better connective tissue not only is helpful for wrinkles, but also the appearance of the skin, the superficial part of the skin that we see. Interesting. So a topical will help by sort of trapping that water and keeping it in, um, and the connective tissue will help feed the skin barrier from the inside. Right. Well, what the, the problem with what you put on your skin is the water tends to maybe get into the cells a little bit, but the cells themselves, in order to get their water, the basal cell, there's a pump system that pumps water from the connective tissue into the cell itself. Interesting. It's called aquaporins. And you talked about drinking water and you talked about eating water, but is there one that, is there a more efficient way um, to get what is the most efficient way, I guess, to get water into the cells, into the body? You know, you need water itself, but the transport of the water is important, and what comes along with the water is maybe important as well. So in, in, when we drink water, it goes right through you. Okay. When you eat water-rich foods, it's in the structure, so it's gradually released, and over time, the water goes into the cells instead of going through you and then not have any later on. Interesting. And while you're getting that, you're getting all those other phytonutrients that are helping you. Right. You talk a lot about um, water on a cellular level. So what really is the water, what function is it performing at the cellular level? So in order for, for the uh, organelles in the, in the cell to work, they need to be in a water-rich environment. As there's less and less water, there's more and more toxins in the cell, and it can't function as well. Okay. So getting water into the cell is important. And it's a matter topically of these, uh, adding these aquaporin stimulators in the topical agents that you apply, plus osmolites, osmotic pressure areas that encourage water from the ingredients that you're putting on your skin to penetrate into the cells. Um, so that helps there topically, but also manufacturing more collagen and elastin. Um, as we get older, as you know, our tendons become weaker and drier, and we begin to have knee problems, back problems, things like that, and also wrinkles. Um, so eating foods that encourage the, uh, the, the cells that make the uh, collagen to have more, eating um, for different foods, antioxidants and um, B vitamins, trace minerals, and something called glycosaminoglycans, GAGs, an example of which is glucosamine. Okay. So will help to stimulate the, collagen production. Absolutely. To make uh, the fibroblast, which makes collagen, that's how it needs those nutrients to make it. How do you feel about drinking collagen drinks or taking a collagen powder in your coffee? Is there any value in actually ingesting collagen itself? Well, collagen itself is a good protein. <clears throat> but your body needs to make its own collagen. It can't make collagen out of eating those because that's used as energy and so on, and that's it. So you need the other things, the trace minerals, the B vitamins, uh, the antioxidants, and also the glycosaminoglycans for the fibroblasts to make collagen. Okay. And you talked about certain ingredients in skincare that can help with... Um, 
driving water into the epidermis and holding water. What kinds of ingredients are important to have in skincare? Well, you know, there's um, two types of agents. One of them that attract water, like hyaluronic acid, okay. and agents that prevent water loss, uh, like the uh, various agents that, that do that. Okay. So the combination of the two will help. But again, it's sort of a temporary thing because that's just a topical. Uh, you also need to have what I call internal skin care. Eating foods, that, uh, eating supplements actually uh, that contain what I've been talking about. Yes. Uh, and also the foods that, that contain it. I was really interested in your whole philosophy of inclusive care. This idea that, you know, while you're a dermatologist and you have a skincare line, an external is important, but you put equal value on internal, to your point, supplements, and then emotional. Um, they're all connected, and they're all, as I was saying before, they're all encouraging more hydration. Mm. When you exercise, uh, you're building more water because of muscles. Uh, when you're eating your water, you're getting more water that is likely to go into the cells with antioxidants and things like that. When you reduce your stress, you're going to reduce that loss of water. We all know when we're under stress, we have underarm perspiration, sweaty palms, things like that. Okay, so we lose water when we're under stress. Interesting. Do you believe that there's a connection between stress and a damaged skin barrier as well? I, again, I think it's all connected. Yes. I think yeah. we, we can't do one without the other. It helps to have any one of them, but really to get the real benefit, it's got to be all four. Do you feel that sleep's an important element of total wellness? Absolutely it is. Well, we can't do without it. And um, what's happening because of cultural stress, we have less and less sleep. Yes. We're spending more time on our computers, our cell phones, and we don't have enough time that we're really getting sleep. Yes. I mean, you talked about in one of your articles just even the buzz of the phone or the constant sort of notifications that are coming in all the time, you know, are disrupting our our quietude and, and in a lot of cases our sleep. I got my children alarm clocks for Christmas that sort of mimic the sunrise so that they can't have any excuse to have their phones or oh. devices in their bedrooms anymore. You know, Good. they say they need them for alarms. So I've replaced them with alarm clocks because it's just that constant being on all the mm -hmm. time. That's just... And even if you, there's nothing happening, you'll, if you're accustomed to looking at your cell phone, hey, maybe somebody sent me an email. Let me look. Yes. You know, even though there was none sent. So and how important can it be, really? You know, Usually not. <laughs> exactly. Do you see teens, um, you know, who are suffering acne or skin issues, um, do, you, do you see more emotional um, issues related to that with that group of... I can't say it's specifically that, okay. but I, I do see, because I have teenage grandchildren. Yes. And I think they have, there's so much more pressure and so much more stress than I ever was, um, just because the way society is. And certainly, again, uh, it affects every organ in our body. So much comparison happening with social media and media in general. And I loved one of your quotes, be imperfect, live longer. You know, you're perfect in your imperfection. Mm -hmm. I just, I love that idea. And I have teen children and I do believe, I agree with you, that there's just so much more stress related to social comparison and social expectations and than we ever had. We just didn't know what was going on you know, with our friends half the Ab time. Absolutely. And you're never going to be good enough yeah. because everyone's taller, skinnier, whatever than you are. Um, and <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed, but 
the idea of selfies. I yes. know people who take 200 selfies a day of themselves. Wow. What is that about? Why do we need to keep looking at ourselves and trying? And then when you look, you're, never, you're looking at the flaws. You're not looking at the, ben- the good things about your skin. Right. Uh, so that's depressing. And I don't know if you see that with uh, any of your children, that they're taking a lot of selfies. But yep. somehow I don't understand it. Yep. And then using the negative. filters to make them look different. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting. It's a whole new world that, um, to your point, you know, you were really the father of this concept of cultural stress. And I think it's such an important conversation that we need to start having more uh, of to really understand what the impact is on our physiology and our longevity and, and our mental health, because it's definitely impacting it. Um, talk a little bit about your family background. Your family emigrated to the U.S. from Iraq. Um, you grew up in Queens. And uh, talk about how that's maybe informed your perspective on life and your optimism uh, and your your whole thought system about being positive. Uh, well, a couple of things. Um, um, I, I like to say when you look at adversity, look at it as an opportunity. Okay. And one way that I could describe that is we came t- uh, to the United States. We were relatively well-to-do. Uh, we moved into a nice house. But in the fullness of time, my father became bankrupt, and we had to move to a little walk-up apartment, um, six children and wow. parents. But actually, I think it was a good thing because it realized for me what's— and here's one thing I like to say— my father would say, you know, sometimes you didn't have enough to eat. And he'd say, you know, we can have an onion sandwich and at least we'll be full. And so we're going to be happy and we're going to be together. I love that. And so it gave me like an idea of what's the worst thing that could happen to me. I will, I will have um, an, an onion sandwich and I'll be happy and <laughs> live together. Yes. Uh, and the idea there is I was willing to take risks. I was willing yes. to take opportunities and look at them and say, oh, what about this? How about this? What's, I'll be willing to take that chance to be uh, okay. Um, and, and again, um, you know, a lot of it is I was fortunate to have parents that did have that kind of idea where they made everything as good as possible. My father used to always say, I hope you'll be happier than me and older than me. He was mm. always smiling, and he lived to be 100. So wow. uh, it was a combination of things, I think. Yes. I was uh, fortunate. Everyone has a different way of looking at life. But the idea of, for me, as looking at opportunities in your challenges is very important. Well, I like the fact, too, that you you don't focus on failure, and you talk a lot about that and some of the things you've written, and there's no fear there, because to your point, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I can pick myself up and carry on. Right. I could have an onion sandwich. Have you ever had one? Yes. No, <laughs> it sounds really good, actually. I love onions. But uh, that's so important, you yeah. know, That and, and here you are today, 80 years old, and still contemplating business opportunities and still working so hard to write books and spread the message about cultural stress. And, um, you know, you're not slowing down. You're not, you're not on the golf course. Um, it's pretty incredible. Well, thank you. Um, I want to talk a little bit too about your background as a pharmacist, um, and how that's 
informed some of your formulations and, you know, you were way ahead of the curve with antioxidants and with glycolic acids and AHAs. Um, and did that, was that informed by your background as a pharmacist or how did you sort of think to use some of these ingredients in your topical formulations? Um, I'm sure it, it had an effect. Um, I like to look at that story a little bit differently. The idea of, again, challenges and opportunities. So um, when I started college, I wanted to be uh, an engineer. Okay. It was a time of Sputnik. The, the Russians had had this space thing called Sputnik, and we didn't, and everyone wanted to do that. And um, unfortunately, I couldn't do so well in statistics, one of the classes, and math was, which I thought I was good in, I was not doing well in college with that. My brother, who was a pharmacist, um, he said, well, why don't you go to pharmacy school? You like science, and you'll have a job when you're done, and, you know, it'll be good. And in the back of my mind, I sort of thought, well, I'd really like to be a doctor, but those other people are probably smarter than me. They probably, I don't know if I'll get in. But I went to pharmacy school, and as I was graduating, I, um, I was studying with a friend, and his uncle came by, and who was a physician in L.A., and um, said, oh, you, should, you guys should apply to medical school and this and that. And I said, oh, I probably won't make it. Uh, but then I did apply, and I did get into medical school. I love that. that so the idea is, again. you know, it's like a lot of people, they, they limit themselves because they say, well, I can't do it. They don't even try. Mm. So for whatever reason, I was willing to try. And then when I was in medical school, I wanted to be a surgeon. And Uncle Sam sent me to Vietnam and had my fill of surgery. But the second year, I was attached to the dermatology clinic, and I decided to like dermatology. So it's like looking at life and going through the idea of challenges and ideas and creating new things and not limiting yourself to be what you think you want to be. Or what um, your parents think no, you, you should want, be. Yeah, <laughs> right. What somebody else thinks is a you good career. Be. Follow Absolutely. your heart. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also follow your heart all the way through. Uh, don't limit yourself in whatever you do. I mean, uh, um, as a dermatologist, I, I was a very busy dermatologist. I saw a lot of patients. Uh, but over time, I got more interested in some of these other things, you know. Yes. That, so I, I tell people, you know, whatever you think you could do, uh, you probably can do 10 times that. And that. also, don't ever try to emulate. Don't try to be like somebody else because you're never going to be as good as them because that's who they are. You're a unique individual, and say, allow the unique you to blossom hmm. because you have unique talents. You don't know what they are. I didn't know I'd do well in art, but I, I did find that out. Yes. So the idea of encouraging people to be the best that they can, and which is way beyond what they could. I love that. Um, and you started your skincare line at the age of 50? Yes. So, you know, a lot of it, I'm 50 this year in May, and a lot of people think, you know, that's kind of the end of the line. Oh, and no, that's <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> well, I love to think yeah. it's the beginning. I feel like it's the beginning. Yeah. You're young enough to have the energy, and you're smart enough to have gone through a lot of challenges. Have the wisdom, yes, or some of the, the wisdom. wisdom. Yes. Yeah. And what inspired you to center your study around written affirmations. Uh, I had one saying, well, I have a bad day when you can have a good day. And that was just sort of something I said that was my mantra. Mm. 
but during the time that I had the retinal detachment, I had a month to just be home and I couldn't do very much. And I began to listen to myself. And as I spoke, I began to write some of the things that I wrote, like be imperfect, live longer, things like that. And then when I started, when I went back to my patients, I began to write them on four, eight, uh, eight by 10 papers and write them out and offer it to my patients. I would say, here, I'd like you to take one of these home. And it became a thing. People used to come back just to get a card. That's great. <laughs> I mean, so um, one thing led to another. At this point, I have over 600 of what I call insights. They call them affirmations, whatever. But I really saw that that was a thing that seemed to help my patients because they would take these uh, 8 by 10 pages and they would put them in their, in top of their refrigerator or something like that, and it seemed to make a difference in their life. And I'm, I would guess they'll help their skin. So I created them in smaller cards, and I picked 11. Um, I can't tell you specifically why I picked them. They just called to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they did have some meaning to me. And um, so we, we did that study that I spoke about before where people looked at these specific 11 cards twice a day and journaled. And we could see an improvement in their stress level at the end of one month. And I worked with this uh, psychologist and gave him all the raw data and put together where each of those sayings had meanings. Like if I give the word forgive yourself to 10 different people, they'll have 10 different opinions of it. But it'll be basically encouraging you to have more gratitude. So the words encourage more gratitude, more strength from within, uh, and and more uh, ability to function in a, in a more healthy way. Um, and the results have been uh, really exciting. I've given it to a lot of people, and they say, you know, I've been looking at those cards, and it really has helped me. Can we talk a little bit more about the definition of aquaporins? Aquaporins are like pump systems. Uh, It's made of various amino acids. And um, different cells have different aquaporins. There's one for kidneys, one for skin, things like that. And what they do is they encourage when to encourage the, the cells themselves to have water within them. Okay. So sometimes we have too much water in it. The aquaporins allow the water to come out of the cell. But generally, we need more water in the cell. So it pumps it out from the connective tissue. It's a way of, of getting water into the cells. Okay. So, and this is this idea that if you have more muscle tone, you have more water, and that water can then be transported into the cells through the aquaporins? No, no. That, not necessarily. But the, um, the if you look at your body as made out of connective tissue, like tendons, ligaments, things like that, and um, actually cells. So the cells themselves get water from the connective tissue. Fire That's the how they, they, and, and the other thing we have to understand is we are constantly in, in motion. We know that our skin turns over every 30 days. So you have new skin every 30 days. You have new gut maybe every five or six days. Every cell in your body is turning over. Your body's constantly producing more cells. And as they are producing more cells, uh, we want to make them as healthy as possible. Mm. 
So we want them to have as much water as possible, so you need to eat foods that help connective tissue. And you also need uh, foods that will, um, let me give you a, maybe a bad example. If we look at what we call um, agents that are, um, let's say, we know if inflammation is bad. And it's not necessarily bad because inflammation in some cases is good. When you have a cut in your hand and it's just a small cut, your, your body gets inflamed right around it and then it forms a scab and it heals and it goes away. So, but bad inflammation, if you had a third degree burn, it's just, that's terrible. Um, <clears throat> so what I'm um, trying to get to is the idea that um, we need to um, look at what we eat in your cells. So let's say I can tell you that fried bacon bits are not good for you. And, um, and if that's all you eat, your body can only make the cell membrane out of fried bacon bits. I'm making that up because <laughs> that, that's all there is. Mm. Another way to look at it, if you have, and your body is a factory constantly producing new cells, let's make believe you're a car factory and you don't put any glass in the factory and you only give them cardboard. So people put, instead of a windshield, they'll put cardboard. So the idea of eating the foods that are gonna be healthy for you. And, and so the more you eat those good foods, the less likely you are to have things that are damaging. I don't know if that, is that Yeah, too, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. What I find so fascinating, Dr. Murad, about you is that, you know, you're a dermatologist, and yet this is all so beyond the scope of what most of us think of as dermatology. You know, this is, I mean, when, I, when we talked about you earlier before this podcast, we said, you know, he's a guru. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> really, but it's just very cool, I think, you know, for people to understand that, yes, you're a dermatologist, and yes, that's your educational background, and you know a ton about skin, and you can help them with their skin, but you're so focused on the whole picture and the whole person, and um, that's pretty extraordinary. Not a lot of dermatologists, I think, in the world talk to people the way you do. Yeah, I don't think there are many, if no. any. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's pretty cool. I'm sure, and I actually know from personal experience that you've been a mentor to a lot of people. Um, there are people that I work with who talk about you um, incredibly fondly, and you've been so helpful to them in their career and in their personal life. Who have you been your mentors or people that have really taught you important lessons and helped you on your journey? Um, you know, I think primarily it had to be my parents. Yes. Um, and they were, there was not a spoken word, but there was an expectation uh, that I would be successful. And I think I was fortunate that way. I, I know that uh, when you study psychology, uh, if you have at least one parent who believes in you and, and, and encourages you, you have an opportunity if both of them treat you like you're worthless, it's gonna be a, a challenge. Um, but I, I don't specifically have any one person. Um, I, 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 could, I could say, I don't know, I'm, in my, when I give a presentation, I always have this person, I can never pronounce his name, Negropolit, but anyway, in 1937, he was a Nobel uh, Prize winner. And um, his, his favorite saying is, 
discovery is seeing what everybody else has seen and seeing it differently, something like that. So the idea of everybody has, you know, all of these things that we're talking about, uh, but just looking at it in your own way and, and learning from yourself yes. is important. And it's nice to have all of those other things, but learning from yourself. Listening to your inner voice. Yeah. But you say, you know, your, your parents, there was an unspoken word to be successful, and yet you, your father said to you, I hope you're happier than I am, and I hope you live longer. So and it sounds that, like he defined success as, as happiness, being fulfilled yeah. Yeah. and being happy, right. which is really nice. Right. Wow, Dr. Mirad, this was really fun, incredibly interesting, and we're so grateful that you gave us your time. I know you're extremely busy. Thank you for doing this Thank today. you so much. It's been wonderful being with you. You can learn more about Dr. Mirad's work by signing up for his weekly Modern Wellness Digest on his website, www.drhowardmurad.com. I learned so much from talking with Dr. Murad. Here are the three things I can't stop thinking about. One, there are far more factors that hydrate your skin than I've realized. It's more than just what you drink and how you moisturize. It's what you eat, how you emotionally react to your environment, and how you exercise. My approach to hydration is about to become far more holistic than ever before. Two, I'll be paying more attention to collagen production, which means more B vitamins, trace minerals, and glucosamine for me. And three, Dr. Mirad told us that part of staying positive is refraining from judging ourselves, and too much self-judgment comes from taking selfies. Because selfies are part of cultural stress, they may actually be bad for your skin. To have Dr. Mirad answer your questions about stress and skincare, follow us and DM us on Instagram at SkinFix Inc. Watch our feed for his answers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Total Skin Nerds. Please come back next time when our guest will be Dr. Will Cole. And please subscribe to our show on iTunes and Spotify. Total Skin Nerds is produced by Rob Corso, Casey Kahn, and Howie Kahn for Freetime Media. Our theme music is by John Palmer. Special thanks to Leslie Goodman, Ginny Chen, Catherine Spears, Kara Canning, Jane Meredith, and Megan Collins. And I'm your host, Amy Risley. Till next time, nerds. Total Skin Nerds is brought to you by SkinFix. We're clean, clinically active, and on a mission to help heal your skin. Total Skin Nerds is a podcast created to educate. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical advice. If you are looking for help with a skin concern, we would encourage you to seek the advice of a board-certified dermatologist, functional medical practitioner, or other qualified healthcare provider. You can find a registry of board-certified dermatologists in the U.S. at find Find-a-derm.aad.org and in Canada at dermatology.ca. For a registry of qualified functional medical practitioners, you can visit ifm.org. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We hope that you enjoy listening to Total Skin Nerds as much as we enjoy making it.